0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Picture Book Summit. Do you dream of creating picture books that'll change a child's life? I sure hope so. Learn how to find your voice at Picture Book Summit, a world class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. Join them on Saturday, October 3rd, 2020, for keynotes from their award winning best selling lineup, including author illustrator Sophie Blackall, author Lisa Klein Ransom, and author illustrator Peter H. Reynolds. Don't delay. Deadline to register is September 30th. Go to picturebooksummit.com slash winner.
1: You've got to stop and think about these, these things, and hopefully some greater good will come out. Some greater good. That's my hope.
0: This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 623. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash winner. Today I'm joined by Farhana Sia. Lolly's Feather is Farhana's latest picture book. It's illustrated by Stephanie Pfizer Coleman and published by Peachtree Publishing Company. It's a story about a girl who finds a feather and sets about trying to find the owner. What she finds instead... Is a good number of other birds who think their feathers are superior in beauty or sturdiness or usefulness. Of course, none of these options are useful for Lolly. But what's more is that Lolly is unperturbed by their comments. She seems to be consumed with an irrepressible joy for this small treasure. That is, until it flies away. Please welcome my guest, Farhana Zia. Author of Lolly's Feather.
1: My name is Farhana Zia, and I just wanted to tell you that the name Farhana means joy, and the word Zia means light. So I am Joyful Light, Farhana Zia. I live in Framingham, Massachusetts. I'm a retired teacher. I had the privilege of teaching. Uh, fourth graders, as a matter of fact, for a good 28 years. Um, and it was a public school, uh, elementary school in a town called Northboro. And somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, I became the author of children's books. <laughs> and my yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it was it was a surprising thing that happened. It was something that I had actually dreamed about, but I didn't think it could it could happen because I knew that there's such competition out there, there's such wonderful writers and I asked myself, do I have it in me to get to that level? But you know, I gave it a shot and things fell in place and my first book there was a picture book. It's called Hot, Hot Roti for Dadaji. I don't know if you know what roti is, but it's a uh, unleavened flat bread. And a Dadaji is a grandpa. He is a paternal grandfather. So my first picture book is Hot, Hot Roti for Dadaji. And then I wrote The Garden of My Iman. This is a chapter book, and it's sort of like a coming-of-age story of a preteen She's a Muslim American and 9-11 has occurred and she finds herself in a very confusing world and she's trying to come uh, to terms with who she is. And then after that, I wrote Child of Spring. It's a um, chapter book and it was inspired by a little uh, house servant, and um, so that was my third book. And the the, the latest one, which just came out in the spring, is Lali's Feather. Yay! Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <And laughs> the I was reason excited. why we're talking. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm a grandma. I've got three grandkids. I was born in India in a place called Hyderabad. And I immigrated to the United States in 1967. So if you do your math, you know that it's a very long time ago. And uh, what else can I tell you, Matthew? I, don't I wanted not know. Play... You've yeah, told me so want... much, and I love
0: I... <laughs> that. I mean, I, I think you you know, maybe even from our emails, that being a teacher myself, my ears always perk up when I find out I get to speak to another teacher. And also uh-huh. a teacher writer, I also write. And to know yeah. that... When you read aloud to children, I actually started off my career in fourth grade as well. Neat connection. And now I'm a librarian, so I'm uh, teaching pre-K through fourth. But uh, I started off in fourth grade and just locked into that grade and loved them. But the, the idea of reading and reading and teaching, writing and spending all of your time in story and how for some people, you sort of just can't help but feel like, I wonder if I have stories that that can be read aloud to children as well. We all have stories to tell, but the craft of writing uh, and and the opportunity to get published is certainly competitive.
1: Yes, it is true. But, you know, I, I would have loved to gallop on horseback. That was something, was a dream of mine. And I would visualize myself on a beach or in an open field and galloping on a horseback, but I never did because I was too afraid to put a bit in a horse's mouth. Oh yeah. You know, they were very intimidating to me. Um, I have skied a little. I've enjoyed that. I have been so privileged that I could see beautiful scenery from a mountaintop. You know, that was beautiful. I'm trying to learn piano. I'm teaching myself to play the piano. I love to take walks in the neighborhood, and that's where my first idea for writing came. By being out on walking. I, love I was that. out walking in the neighborhood. Yes, yes, yes. And that was, you know, uh, an idea just popped in and it, it converted into hot, hot roti for Dadaji. So that was that was a wonderful thing. Um, so, you know, this is who I am, basically. I'm retired, like I said, comfortably retired. And I do substitute teach in in my town schools. And, um, but, you know, that hasn't happened for a few months now, and I don't know when it's going to happen I was just going to say, I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen again. Well, so let's, I know, let's I know, talk I know. about what,
0: what brings us together today. I do know Hot Hot Roti. I remember reading that um, a, a little while ago, I think just from like a visit to the library and picking it up off of their shelf. When you do that, uh, uh-huh. you're looking at the new bookshelf and you're just sort of, You know, randomly pulling things off, which is a fun way to discover books. But Lolly's feather. Why don't I want to ask you first to share what is what is the story of Lolly's feather? What is your like book talk for the story? And then I want to get into where it came from because I have a neat connection to it as well.
1: Okay, all right. So let me tell you a little bit about Lolly's feather. Um, Lolly's. Uh, who is, I? you know, I visualized her as somebody who's about six six years old. She uh, finds a feather in the field, and she is taken up by the feather, but she wants to do the right thing. She wants to return it to its owner in case it, it came from somebody. So she goes to various birds and asks if the feather belongs to them, um however they reject the feather you know because for uh, for various reasons it's not their feather because it's this or that it's too little it's too ordinary it's too slow Um, but lali is not willing to reject feather she holds on to the feather she um, she finds different things she can do with feather she finds a value in the feather and by the end of the story of course the others have come to see the feather in a different light and uh, that's the way i kind of ended this story but i wanted to to present lali as as this person who who takes the time to you know look look into things behind things so i end the story with her finding a button and now i wanted to leave it in the reader's mind that you know, the story is going to continue, that this little girl is not gonna stop, but she's going to keep her eyes open and she's gonna look around to see what she can find that is of value. Yes. So, and and to a child
0: yes. to a child of value is is anything. Much like that phrase, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, to a child any anything can be really everything to a child, can't it?
1: Right, right, absolutely. And that is the wonder of childhood, because, you know, they're still not, they're like a clean slate, you know, they have not been blemished by outside, um, you know, how shall I put it, uh, perceptions. They, they, They are kind of innocent and honest about how they see things and how they look at and they are not uh judgmental you know so they're more willing to look at something and take it for what it is so basically that is that is you know i would say the story is about perceptions and how we look at things and how we choose to look at things either with a closed eye or with an open eye and uh you know that's that's kind of the fundamental message of you know look Look at the beauty in simple things in life. And we're just so taken up with the glitz and the glossiness that kind of bombarded at us that we forget that life has so many good things to offer if you would just stop and appreciate it.
0: And appreciate the beauty that others see as well. Right, because so, right. I mean, in the birds, the birds are modeling that in the beginning, that, you know, do you mind if I read to you, Farhana? Can I read from your book? It would be my you pleasure. Do.
1: Do. Hmm. Yes, yes.
0: I will read from, why don't I just read the, the very start and then um, the interaction with the first bird, with the rooster. Okay. okay, so it starts.
1: Okay.
0: Lolly found a feather in the field. Whose feather? She did not know. It was a sweet feather, though. Ooh, ma. Was Little Feather lost? Lolly set out to find Feather a home. Rooster, Rooster, is this your feather? Is this feather yours? Lolly asked. Nah, Lolly, nah. Rooster replied. My feather is a big feather. It makes me a lordly bird. That feather is a little feather. It's not mine. And she continues meeting other birds that say, oh, no, that's not mine because my feather, uh, well, quite frankly, they use a word that feels like they are putting their feather above hers. My feather is smoother or makes me faster. And they're, they're in that way, putting her feather down, um, which you've given a a beautiful, uh, sort of second act to the book when Lolly runs off and says, feather and I will do 100 things. (laughs) And she goes, and then all these other, um, characters meet her, um, and she says my different animals are saying well my feather can do this and she says well this feather can do this writing and sweeping the the floor and fanning the fire um yeah i think that those two sides of how a child perceives beauty um both as Uh, uncomparative beauty that you're trying to say yours is better but there's a pureness to the love that i see and um a limitlessness a pureness and and maybe that second half is a limitlessness that your feather does this for you but my feather can do this and this and this and this and this and so i wonder farhana if if and how this story came to you, do you consider yourself um, sort of this unflappably positive and joyous person? Is this a perspective that um, you maybe saw in your fourth graders that that were reminders to you yourself? Me thinking that I'm constantly watching children going, I need to be more like them. <laughs> what was it yeah. like for you to, to discover this character of Lolly?
1: you know that is that's a good question i don't think i consciously created or based Lali on any one particular person although i think she embodies a lot of things that i caught up not only about myself but also in children around me remember i lived with them for 28 years yes you know my kids in the classroom and you know, just their 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 innocence and their well, not all the time because sometimes they can be rather challenging <laughs> to deal with. But mostly, mostly they're um, just purity, you know, in lots of ways. Um, but for me, Lali sort of embodies. I made her be the best of what a child is or can be and uh, you know how she is curious she's uninhibited and she's still she's still willing not to push back really she's willing to push back when somebody's telling her no this is not good she sort of learns to hold her ground and she's um, you know she's ready to go out and explore possibilities so in that sense again she is based on an ideal that I see within. You know, children, yeah. and it's sort of like a collage of, of these little good things that are within uh, childhood and within children. But the part of me that I see myself in Lali is that, you know, she goes simplicity. You know, she likes a little, uh, a plain little sparrow feather, not that she doesn't like the peacock feather, but she holds on to what she has as her own, and she wants to explore the possibilities, and I feel that I am a rather simple person myself, you know, and you might laugh at me, Matthew, but you know what really excites me (laughs) when I get get joy from, when I go on my walks in the neighborhood, and I see peaches on a tree you know, that are big and they're ripening and they're golden and they're that beautiful peachy color. Well, that excites me. If I see a tomato, I have a little vegetable garden. And so disappointed this year that my cucumbers for some reason are not growing. Uh, But watching a flower, watching a a vegetable, that, that kind of a thing, you know, excites me. So in that sense, why does even Lali stop to pick up a feather? you know I mean she could have just as easily walked away but she stops and she notices and I find that I am I, I have done that and I more so than ever since I've written the book, I do more of that. yeah so uh, yeah and have, that that is interesting to me
0: I have I have I'm two connections no yeah yes. I, I, I think that, that that the fact that you made a child. Lolly is a child who stops to pick up feathers says so much about her and not only stops to pick them up, but doesn't let them go. Those two qualities together make, make her defined in a way that is very tangible. I think for children to connect to the two things I wanted to share were one that, um, not only do I keep feathers when I find them out on walks or our runs, um, but I've also I, I I keep them and I have kept them in the very first writing journal I have from when I like first decided, like, I want to write books for children for, I don't know, 10 or 10 or more. it I had to have been like 14 mm-hmm. years ago because it's long before I had children. Um, yeah. But my child, one of my children now, my five year old, she has discovered that i have feathers tucked in this book and she ah. likes to visit them and touch them every once in a while and yeah, wouldn't yeah, you know that, nice. that as soon as this as soon as your book came into my world i was like oh my word oh. i can feel what's going on but the other connection i wanted to share is that not only had i had I loved this 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 book of yours. And not only do I love your story, but I have to say that Stephanie Fizer Coleman's illustrations are beautiful in this book. Yes.
1: They're so They're beautiful. They're glorious. They are glorious. They are. They are just absolutely beautiful. You know, I mean, I was thrilled with what she she came up with and I love the vibrance, you know. Uh, you know, this story, if you think about it, Matthew, it's not a loud story. It's kind of like a gentle, uh, slow-moving story in a a sense but the the pictures you know they just they just make everything pop up beautifully and I really love you know I was not sure whether she would be able to get the um, setting or you know the the clothing uh, but I mean she's blown me away she's just made the book so vibrant well, and, and I'm so
0: grateful. To yeah. That. One of my favorite things that she's done, Farhana, and I'm sure you've noticed this, um, not only the vibrant colors and the textures that she's woven in, but the fact that nearly every illustration we have, nearly every spread that we have, uh, the, the, the camera, if you were, is pulled back. So we continue to get a sense of setting in Lolly's yeah. world. Lolly's world is big. And I say that because it made me realize reading this book that that's not what all other picture books do. Often we zoom in and we focus on the character, but this book, so much, as you said about your walks, this book is uh-huh. so much about what else might Lolly notice yes. on the next yes. day. And I thought yes. that is yes. so beautiful, the way that that works. I was going to say, um, that My second thing was that when we went on um, on quarantine on our stay at home orders back in March, I had had this book all set out ready to read to my students uh, in class and to talk about, like, let's go for a walk outside and take things in that were special to us and and talk about those those sort of moments. What what have you held on to that's special to you? We went on quarantine and one of the first virtual lessons i did with my third and fourth graders was to read this book Hmm. and before we even did any sort of activity without fail someone in each class would say oh i do that all the time too i love to collect feathers or here can i can i show you one and i realized this book took on such profound and different connection when my students were at home because at home is where they keep the things that they find Uh and i thought that was so i had to tell you that that in a school setting where a kid could just you know tell us communicate to us what are the things they kept here they could actually bring up those items to the camera and share with their class i thought that is so neat i've been excited to, to share that with you Hey there, book nerds. You know what's even better than hearing bookmakers share stories of how their ideas became the stories you love? Having those stories in your home, your classroom, your library, or your life to be enjoyed over and over. Bookshop.org allows you to purchase your favorite books from the show and support local bookstores while doing it. I even maintain lists of all the books shared each season, so it's easy to find what you're looking for. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop, or use the link in the show notes to find your next favorite story.
1: Oh, I so appreciate hearing it. Believe me, that I so appreciate it. You know, it it makes me as a writer feel. So gratified that the whole reason why do you write? Well, you know, you write for selfish reasons, too. Of we can get into that later on. But you're writing for an audience. And to know that your audience, it has your book or your, you know, the message that you want to convey has sort of touched them in, in some particular way. Wow, what else? You know, that is what we aim for anyway. So thank you for sharing that with me. That makes me feel good. Well, and it makes me feel like I also good.
0: get to share my students with you, which is a beautiful, oh, yes. beautiful thing. Yes.
1: Yes. You know, Matthew, you're talking about your students, and I can even visualize, because I've had, what, 28 years of students in front of me, and, you know, a classroom of children in front of me every single day. So your students, it's, you know, you talk about your students, you're throwing me back to my days of, of teaching. Course. And I'm telling you, they keep you on your toes, don't they? They do. But you love, you love what they do for you and how they energize you and they keep you going.
0: Oh, yeah. I came from teaching in the classroom and I loved having children. I loved having a class that we would come in every day and be together. But I'll tell you, as a librarian, it's also a very special thing to see kids once a week and to have them come in in between oh, those yes, days yes. to visit, oh, to chat, know, to get I a book. Know. So many times I have students that just come in just because they're like, well, I just wanted a break and I wanted to come say hi. Yes, <laughs> and yes. To see them grow know, through their career as readers. Is, it's a, it's a you know, well, yes. we're recording in the summer and I, I don't think it's wrong for me to tell you because um, you get it as a teacher that I, I miss them. I do. So when we're talking about them in this conversation, it also is is doing something for my heart just to just to remember them again
1: and to be thinking about them in those moments we had together. It's true. It's true. You know, I've kept uh kept up with my students who are now parents. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> And thanks to Facebook, right? Hello, this is Mia, you know, and oh my goodness, this is you, and look at you, you're a mom. I mean, it's amazing, you know, but teachers sometimes we bemoan the fact that we are overworked and we, you know, uh, we're not appreciated, but, you know, we are when we get just that one liner from somebody who says, thank you. I remember you for this and that and the other. Well, it just makes it so worthwhile, all worthwhile.
0: Did you used to keep, I I still to this day, um, from maybe my first year of teaching some, some mentor told me to do this, but I keep a smile folder. And whenever I receive notes from kids or drawings or just little moments of what kids have said, I scribble them down on a post-it note and I put them in a folder and I keep them.
1: Oh, my I've goodness. I've filled, that I don't know, wonderful. two or three
0: manila folders at this point in my career, but I keep them and I look back at them. When you have those hard days, you look back and go, oh, yeah, I see I see that they see the work I'm doing and that I uh, matter no, to them people, as much that, as they matter to is- me.
1: Yes. No, that's a good thing. No, I never did that. I wish you had told me to do this and I would have certainly <laughs> kept a log of... But, you know, you do remember those things you don't forget. They kind that's of true. stick in your head yep. that somebody said a good word, a kind word about you.
0: That's true.
1: So yeah, So, yeah.
0: so in writing for children, I, I hear you share that you you sort of felt like you were teaching all these years and starting to get some ideas and and might they be children's books. But I wonder specifically about those stories that you share and if you grew up as a reader or if in some way you're you're helping to, I don't know, create those books that that you didn't have as a child, but you're helping new children see themselves uh, in books. What what is being a writer mean to you? For-
1: You know, Matthew, I think I told you I immigrated back in 1967, and I came to the United States. I was anxious. I was happy to. The story of my immigration was a happy story. I was not running away from any oppression or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I uh, left behind a pretty good life to come. But and I was excited to come. So, but when the first euphoria of being here in a new land, a land of possibilities and plenty and all of those things, when that sort of uh, went down a little bit, when it waned, I realized that something curious was happening to me. You know, I was beginning to to um, think about uh, the things that I had left behind. So, you know, and that was sort of like gnawing in my mind, you know, I missed the sights, I missed the sounds, I missed the tastes, the memories of my childhood. And not enough to want me to go back and live there, but certainly enough that I wanted to acknowledge them somehow, and that's when my writing actually started but it was all very personal you know and i started to write and um you know kept kept things and this is remember this is before the internet this is before you could just email your manuscript to to the you know the publisher mm-hmm. um you had to actually you know, mail it. And it was hard work. So anyway, I kept all of these with me till the time I felt was right for me to do something about it. And that's that's how my writing actually started, to give voice to my own inner longings, you know. And um, so when you look at my books, a lot of them are about trying to validate who I am and where I come from yeah. and sort of put it out in a book so that maybe somebody else, some other child who who has, if not a direct connection, some sort of a link to this type of uh, heritage will recognize it and feel validated. You know, so I I guess multiple reasons for why I started to write. One, to reinforce who I am. And, you know, besides, you always write only about what's What you know best, you know, as a teacher, you know, you tell them you can't tell the kids from the south to write about a snow day, for instance, you know, they're going to say, yeah, what, what are you talking about? So, I mean, I felt that when I was ready to write, these things were sort of just flowing, you know, more naturally for me. And they I'm very lucky that they got converted into books. And now, when I write, I sometimes find should I break away and go into try something that is more quote unquote mainstream, and then I stop myself to say these are such universal stories. You know, I'm writing about univers- universality of uh, absolutely. You know, you know, uh, and it's just that the setting is different, or maybe the name is different, but. The core of the story is intact, and so I continued, like I say, write what is nearest and dearest to my heart. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. You, you did, and, <laughs> and I'm sure. For Hannah, are you aware of the
0: phrase "the universal is in the the specific"?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. phrase I've heard before that true. I always
0: come back to, and I think of it you saying so that right yes. now. That that, for example, in Lolly's feather the the idea of a child finding something and finding this world of value in it is something that any child can connect to but lolly you give little nods to who lolly is um through language through uh in this case the way that stephanie has illustrated lolly through her name yes. itself um and and in that way too Two, you're giving a very specific uh, child, a very, very, very specific voice to her, but an experience yeah. that could be for anyone. And I think that that balance is really what um, what makes for a good, solid story where you feel yeah. like the author really knows her character and yet there's still space there for any of us to walk into this experience um, and consider it from our own perspective, whether through a direct connection, I am like that or something mm-hmm. different. Oh, I, I don't, I have not experienced something like that. Let me really pay attention to what that experience is like for someone who has. And I think that, yeah. that that's where I'm picking up with with Lolly as well and, and, and with this story and how you crafted it. So thank you for sharing it that way uh, i think your your response was exactly what i was what i was curious about
1: oh no thank you i i do appreciate you saying that very much because you know as a writer you do you do want to reach all the children you want to reach so you want your story to be universal and but like you say you want also to hang on to and you want to make it uh, give it its own character you yeah? have to what i'm saying so yeah well Hannah, if it's hopefully um, yeah. no i'm so sorry go ahead No, no, no. That's all. I was going to just sort of conclude my my thinking by saying that, uh, you know, I I want to give it my particular color to a story that is universal because it it should reach. It is for all children. It's not for this child or that child. But it's interesting, though, Matthew, when I do read or, you know, when I make a presentation or when I'm reading my books, you see, you know, children are interested. Children want love that story, but there are a handful of faces that kind of light up at the name or a terminology or something that is for them, you know? So it's a double bonus for me exactly. when I see that it's being appreciated in various forms and various degrees. So that that's a wonderful thing.
0: I had a child in particular who whose name, I'm going to save her name, um, whose name is very close to Lolly's, And when I read uh-huh. this book, and and this child, um, her family is from India. She's a first generation uh, American. And when she read this book, she said, Mr. Winner, is this book in India? Does this book take place in India? <laughs> and it was one of those like, well, it doesn't say. There's, there's space for it yes. to be anywhere. But yes. <laughs> the fact that... Her yeah. name was so closely <laughs> Lolly's right. name. Just not yes. quite. Yes. And her, yes. <laughs> the way, because she felt, I mean, if you made it, if you made the story, this is obvious to say this, but just to say it aloud, if you made the story too broad, it runs the risk of no one connecting at all. Right. By making so it true. specific enough, a child can so say true. that, that kind of feels like yes. me. Oh, that is exact. Oh,
1: that's nice. So, that's nice you know how many times do we read stories where we connect with something and that ends up being our favorite story that Closely? Right? I, favorite it does,
0: story. I mean thank the the the, the blessing is that <laughs> it doesn't happen that often that's what makes it magic yes because it feels yes. so special yes. when it
1: does oh yes Oh, of course absolutely right you're oh, right i wanted to ask you that's speaking
0: great. of magic you've got animals talking in this book which is always fun mm-hmm. to me when when Stories come in so many different ways. Like when you, the author, are 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 writing the story, are inspired by the story. I know that stories just express themselves different ways. Your muse, if you will, expresses itself different ways. Right. Were the birds always talking to Lolly in 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 your thinking about what this story is like?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, this this version, uh, I would let me put it this way, Lally and a feather have walked a hundred miles to get to where <laughs> they <it> got to <you. laughs> <I> love that. <laughs> you know? They really have. I mean the poor thing, she's gone through so many changes and variations, but animals are always part of this story. And uh, when I say animals, I mean the birds, of course, although in my earlier versions, or maybe the first version, I don't remember. I had a pigeon. I had a, um, uh, who Who else did I have? I had a hen, I believe, and a pigeon. I didn't have, uh, and a sparrow. And I had these three talking to Lali, and Lali talking back to them. Uh, and then, as you know, I have her interact two times with two different sets of Birds. Right. But, you know, for for me, Matthew, we have used animals in children's books forever to the point that they have become human, right? And what is that term? And uh, what is that? anthropomorph?
0: That's exactly I... right. Anthropomorphization. So we have... Yep.
1: Exactly. And we have done it to the T. So using animals um, sort of works for kids because, you know, it just. Even though it's a fantasy, it's still so real because we've done it so much. And I just love the play of animal to person, you know? Yes. I think it's fun, I think it's endearing, and I think it works. So to answer your question, I don't know if I, if I did this consciously in the first version, but it just seemed a natural thing for me to do is to, you know, bring animals into interact. With See, Lali and I. And yeah. although it changed, the story has changed uh, considerably. I don't know if you want me to talk to that or not, but certainly the animals uh, stayed. And, uh, you know, I, actually, I took away some humans. I had some humans in the original, which I discarded. But uh, I just kept Lali as a focus. <laughs>
0: I discarded the humans.
1: Yeah, well, I did. (laughs) I put them aside. (laughs) I wanted Lali to take the center stage with the animals, but it's true. Yes, they were always there. Here, Farhana,
0: is where I wanted to call out how strong your craft is in this finished book because had you made it a book with talking animals only talking to one another, I think it would lose its power. I think the fact that, sort of in, where else do we see animals talking to humans? Like in folktales, um, is really maybe the, the primary place we see animals talking to humans. Um, in doing that, uh, it just adds, it adds a nuance. It adds a layer that sort of breaks a wall between the reality of our world I guess but right, it also right. it also I don't know I I, I don't know where exactly I, I was going with that phrase I just am sort of talking without thinking but it's yeah. something that I'm responding to I liked that the rules of this world are that these animals are here in the service of lolly for the case of this book to interact with her mm-hmm. to respond to her to feed her information that helps her determine how she feels about this feather and where how she's going to move forward through the conflict because ultimately um the cliffhanger that i won't spoil um is that lolly's feather goes away and she becomes mm-hmm. very panicked this joyous child We saw the entire book suddenly that changes. And Stephanie has that beautiful illustration
1: Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. close
0: in on, on Lolly's face where she's just yelling. Um, She's frustrated. Um, And in that way, we see your third act where these birds interact with her a third different way. And again, a way that communicates how we can be in relationship to one another um, yes. And I think that that, yeah. that 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 the storytelling structure that you use just works really, really well. So for all the hundred miles you walked with Lali, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that it took you to where it did.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate your your point of view on this. You know, I really do, because when I brought in the animals, it was mostly to have a put of fun spin to a tale. It could have been kids that she was talking to, but I just wanted a different spin and a fun spin. But as you were talking, I things were going through my mind. You know, we kind of separate the animal kingdom to from the, well, we're all animals, but the animals and humans, we kind of separate them. Oh, and yeah. yet we come together in so many ways, you know, and the best way they do come together successfully I think is in a book, in a storybook. So uh, I'm yeah. glad you think it works.
0: Oh, I have one more question for you that I realized I I hadn't thought of before, but because you mentioned about uh, your name meaning joy, joyous light. I wonder if if when you named Lolly, if it was because it was a name that just came to your head or if it means something or maybe it was the name of a, a, a child or a family member that you know, where did Lolly's name come from?
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, your answer is going to be very prosaic, a very dull answer. Uh, <laughs> I Yes, yes. Uh, in my mind, Lali comes from a Lalita, Lalita, which is, you know, the full name, but just put that aside. Lali, I chose Lali just for simplicity, you know, for practical reasons, because I didn't want the children to struggle with a very unfamiliar name. Oh, okay. I hope that makes sense to you. It does. So Lali was, uh, yeah, in my mind, I uh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it doesn't have to be a shortened form of a particular word, it was in my head. However, my choice for Lolly was just that you know, it was a short four-letter name that would that sort of suited this little girl and her personality <laughs> it would be easy to read, basically. So, no, I did not know anybody whose name is Lolly.
0: Well, I think that the name fits her really well, and maybe even the name is part of what drove Stephanie to draw Lolly the way that she did. The name just, yeah. She is uh-huh. she is joy and she is playful and she's <laughs> wonderful. Farhana, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me about about everything, every single thing we talked about. I'm so glad that we had time together to connect.
1: I appreciate Matthew. I appreciate you more than you know. So thank you for giving me the time.
0: Well, I. I'm, I'm grateful for our time, and we've talked a lot about children along the way, but I'd love to give you the opportunity to speak directly to them. So we'll close our time together by me asking that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Farhana, is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: Um, uh, Matthew, my message to them, it would be from a teacher, and from an author and also a grandma, if you will allow me that. Um, as a teacher, I want to tell them, kids, you need to keep your youthful energy and creative juices going. You know, uh, I mean, each year, the, each of the 28 years that I thought I grew older by a year, but you stayed the same. You were fourth graders and you brought such energy that rejuvenated me. And I need you to keep that energy going. I need you to be energized and active as much as you can. Um, As a grandma, I would say I know devices are important, but don't be ruled by them. You know, be the masters of technology. Uh, Don't don't follow. Just don't follow or be a slave to technology. That is my, the grandmind in me talking to you. Um, read a lot of books. Libraries are opening up everywhere. Librarians are just waiting to give you those books. So remember, we or I as an author, I write for you. Um, so pick up a book. There are all kinds of words hiding inside a book waiting for you to discover. Uh, go out safely, do things safely, go out into the backyard, just enjoy nature, notice things, be creative, because you know what, kids, your creativity and your curiosity is someday going to translate into uh, in, an innovation, maybe a scientific innovation, maybe a mathematical in the, uh, innovation, you never know. So keep that going and enjoy yourselves. be safe. And thank you for, for uh, you know, uh, giving me this opportunity through Mr. Winner to talk with you, and thank you for reading my book, and have a great life.
0: The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at MatthewCWinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.